0: Hello, world. You know, my name is Jason Tyler, the person. This is C-World Hollow. And this is The men's Show. Mentoring, empowering, and nurturing.
1: Yes, sir. God Goddamn. <laughs> it's a new day.
0: <laughs> and I know what a scene you were learning in.
1: Was there something that made me come back again?
0: Yeah. Welcome to The Men's Show. The show that is motivating, motivating, motivating power, and nurturing for nurturing. all who care to listen. Hosted by two lifelong friends, Jason Tyler, the person, and the podfather, C. Will Holler. Won't you join us?
1: It's the boy, C. Will Holler, a.k.a. the podfather, a.k.a. the professional conversationalist, a.k.a. the hardest working man in podcasting. You Are now listening to the men's show, the show that is here to motivate, empower, and nurture. And we're so glad you joined us. And of course, I have my co host, Mr. Jason Tyler, the person. Jason, yes, sir. What's up, man?
0: Hey, man, I can't call it as the old folks under the tree would say, where we from. Uh, it's snowing up here, but man, I'm excited, and it's sunny in my spirit right now. <laughs>
1: I know you were gonna take that man, so I was like, "Okay, we on one of these introductory <laughs> roller coasters?" This brother be putting us on.
0: Nah, <laughs> you know I want to. I, I know sometimes that you know my verbal cadence gets the best of me, but you know,
1: nah, man, it's you. Do you be you? I love it.
0: Yeah, man, I it's um I, I can't even sit here and lie. I'm I'm really excited. 2019 has started off in a in a Undescribable, great way for me, and um, I'm just excited that to see what's to come. I mean, but that's a blessing, brother. That it is. That it is. That's
1: a, that's a blessing. Well, you want to give us a quick rundown of what you got going on? I mean, why are you? Why are you so excited? Help us out.
0: Well, um, to to simply put it, um, things that have been pregnant in my spirit and in my dreams and things that i have you know just fantasized about for a long time are now tangibly coming to pass i mean literally at my fingertips um opportunities presented to me and that are just manifesting themselves um i just i'm almost at a loss for words as i feel like a kid at christmas um waiting on that big wheel when you know it's under the tree um <laughs> Of of just how the universe is just continually proving itself to me, and continually showing me how much power I have in my in my words, and they are really coming to pass. So I'm just really excited um, to put it in perspective. Um, if if some of you out there. In podcasting world don't know Um, I'm a band leader, uh, love of music of all kinds and uh, opportunities that like I said I used to just dream about are now manifesting themselves for my band and uh, we are taking some major steps into becoming um, a major corporate force uh, in the music business and I'm just super excited about it
1: man again I love your introductions. I love the language. I love the energy. I love the read (laughs) and it actually tees up our discussion points for today, honestly, because what I wanted to talk about um, just in in general, but I know we can get into the specifics um, as we carry on this conversation, was just sometimes in life, I just feel unprepared for a lot of situations and it led me to start thinking about what were the real life lessons that i was taught growing up that were going to prepare me for life you know other than just being a good person other than just being a hard worker when it comes down to you know common sense and practical application and then we get as complex as to business knowledge you know and financing and stuff like that so when you use the word a corporate force you know that kind of gave me tingles just to hear you say that because that sounds like a man who wants to run his band like a business so uh i just wanted to hear from you on that like do you feel like your parents and grandparents and just everyone every all the adults in your life set you up for success
0: you know that's a that's a very good question and critically thinking about it, I would have to say no with a degree of yes. And I guess I would have to explain that. I would say no only for the simple fact that <clears throat> the journey that I've been on and the, the corporate experience I've, I've you know encountered in my lifetime there was no way they could have prepared me for that because that wasn't even in their thought process. Um, my mother came up, you know, when I was a young young kid, she was working in a, a factory pretty much. You know, uh, assembly line type stuff, you know, dealing with electronics. You know, and that's how we put food on the table. And for the majority of of my family that I was aware of, you know, as a kid, those were most of the type of jobs that you know i was aware of so you know there wasn't any corporate minded you know situations like that um i will say that um i call him big john uh, my stepdad who when he came into my life he was a business owner um he had some businesses he had contracts with the government things like that they didn't last but i still was able to you know, without even realizing it as a kid, you know, watching him handle his business. And then even to this day, um, he's 70 plus years old. He still handles his business like, you know, he's a contractor. He, you know, is involved with various things with his high school and, you know, running paperwork and stuff like that for reunions and things. So he's still active like that. So <clears throat> excuse me. that's why I say it's kind of like, no, because I don't there was no way for them to prepare me for what i was about to encounter as as an adult black man in corporate america
1: yeah i i totally understood what you meant when you said no and yes i totally got that um I myself kind of grew up in that same type of environment. My grandmother worked at Strongberg and Carlson, which later became Siemens, uh, and, and kind of sort of like a factory uh, makeup. And uh, my grandfather had his own business. He had several businesses. He, he he ran a storefront property for a little while, and then he had a janitorial services, whereas a lawn service. Um, and to your point, like, and and this is why I raised the point because yes, they had their own businesses. But were their business um, practices setting them up for longevity, was it setting them up for success or were they more so just, you know, hand to mouth sort of businesses at the time? And I can honestly say that my grandfather's business was not set up for longevity because he just employed cheap labor. To be honest, you know, I'm not sure what the bookkeeping was like. I'm not sure what the invoices were like. I'm pretty sure the taxes were paid because I don't ever remember, remember him getting audited. But in the sense of setting the business up for success, because I came across a, a very poignant quote the other day, and it really started me to think about this. Right. It really started me to, to thinking about this in terms of you can't your, your children won't be able to inherit your job you know but they can inherit your business so are we setting our children up for success or are we setting them up to suffer the same fates that we ultimately suffer from today because i think as and to your point about being speaking specifically as a black man in corporate america i know all the rigors that i've had to face and go through and and currently going through because just simple practices or, think, or just even having to go to deal with corporate America in a sense. Like, I feel like mo- the majority of my existence there I can't be my true self because it's going to be shunned upon. It's going to be looked down at. I can't be my best self. I can't be my true self. Because that doesn't fit their mode of operations or their modus operandi, so to speak, in terms of how a participant should c- participate when it comes to this entity known as corporate America. I don't think I was set up for success at all. Although, yes, I, again, with common sense knowledge and just how to be a good person. But when it came to that ability of, of, of of the rules of engagement and not only just getting a job, right. And and getting into corporate America, but how to not only survive, but also to thrive.
0: You raised some, some great points that really, really made me reflect and, As you were speaking, I don't know if you remember where I grew up on Southwest Road. Um, Of course I do. Do you remember um, Mr. Frank's cleaners? Do you remember back that far? Mr. Frank was, uh, he had a little cleaners. It was a a few feet down from us. Basically, it was out of his home, right? But Mm -hmm. he had a little dry cleaners and, and it just made me think. One thing I can say that I think also that. A reason why they couldn't prepare us for um, success was because of the era. You know, back then, people had integrity. Back then, you know, you could... If somebody said, hey, I'm short today, they were good for it. You know, it, it's it's totally different now. Um, they didn't have to deal with probably the logistics of paperwork, taxes, and all that kind of stuff the way that we have to now because they still had honesty they still had um you know they could shake on something and and really be be okay with it they know that they're they're um i had a little y'all heard my daughter sneak in here i didn't even know she was in here (laughs) <laughs> now she's mad. <laughs> the life of a father. Um And she was stealth with it too, man. I just I happened to look around and see, you know, she was in here. Um So, yeah, the time, like I said, I can I just I, I remember as a little boy when businesses was like that. My grandmother and them were still around. I, I can recall them having conversations, you know, like, Well, mister Frank I ain't got it today. I have it next week, no problem. Here go your clothes. And so, in that time frame, I, I just think there was things they didn't have to concern themselves with, yeah, that we do now. Um, you know, corporate America and in your field of expertise, marketing, you know, all of that kind of thing. I think back when we were younger, word of mouth was. Well, not saying that in market, marketing, the little bit that I do know that you no, know, word of mouth is still king, but in that day that really was it you know you didn't really see too many people passing out flyers and stuff like that you know yeah. it would be like man your suit pressed pretty clean you know who you got that well mr frank you know on Software road that's who um you know and so that's how business was generated so i think that had a lot to do with it too it's just in you know in retrospect thinking about how to you know are or are, are the things that i'm doing right now how is that setting my kids up and you know that's a, that's a that's a good question and a scary question because i think like most parents you know and i want to expand this bigger than just a, a parent because you have aunts and uncles and friends who are involved in kids lives so anybody who's in a um a place of authority in a child's life as a your desire is to to put that child in position to have a better life than you had the the downside to that is sometimes we give our kids too much and they don't develop any kind of appreciation any kind of work ethic because we just give them everything mm-hmm. when we came along we still had to work for stuff we still had to clean up we still had to go out and cut the grass we had to you know chores was a little, you know it was mandatory you didn't have no option you know that was your daily routine you was gonna get up you know your parents or grandparents say okay i need this done that done and so you develop that work ethic to where I am concerned about our kids. Now, they don't really have that. I'd like to get your thoughts on that.
1: I absolutely would agree um, to a certain degree. What And what I mean by that is that's absolutely what was taught to us as children. We were taught the work ethic. We were taught the principles of, of, of hard work. I don't think we were taught the principles of smart work. Right. Like, I think they, they judged you by the sweat of your brow. They judged you by your 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 productivity. They didn't necessarily judge how efficient you could make something like it, even to the point. Where, and I'm going to give you a huge example. I found a way to do something much quicker than my than the way my grandfather did it. And he was not pleased by that at all because it wasn't his way. And I'm thinking in my head like, mm, but dude, your way takes too long. Like I'm doing this in two or three extra I mean, uh, I'm taking out one and two steps, which I understood why he had the steps. But I'm saying it's unnecessary because it's redundant, even in my infant. now I can't say infant because I wasn't a baby. But even even in my juvenile mind at the time, I could see, well, that's just redundant. Like, why would you do that? You do this. So he had a six step process and I just cut it down by two. Now we got a four step process. You're saving incremental. Uh, time but in the end it, it leads to the exponential right because Now what would take two or Three hours only took an hour and a half And that was Time savings so I'm putting time Back in my day so what I'm also adding To it is value And he just was not appreciative of that Because he thought I was being what he Called um well what He called is uh, a <laughs> cute <clears throat> What you because just,
0: I, I hate to cut ahead. you off um I just I had to Stick this point in right here. You just gave me my answer to the question about my kids, whether you realize it or not. Basically, what you just explained is how you took what you were taught and you made it better. Yeah, that's what is going to happen for our kids. When you were saying that, all kind of bells went off. Like that's it. They're going to take what we learned. Now, the the key to this though is we can, we can't get away from the example. Your grandfather still is set a great example the work ethic absolutely you, absolutely being the sponge that you were and a little young entrepreneur in the making you just took the process you evaluated it and you like man I could do this better you evolved it that's the hope that we can have for our kids I just wanted to share that that, that excited me
1: no and, and good i mean absolutely that's what the conversation is about and it's the motivating power and nurture so absolutely if we're not doing that for each other <laughs> we, we might as well stop doing these podcasts right now right <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's a, it, in dot comma, you know, in the story. But um, I, I, I brought that example up for this reason, because you asked two it was a two part question that you were asking. Um, yes, he taught me. Uh, he taught me the ethics and the principles of hard work. He just didn't teach me about the value of efficiency. Right. And again, Because it was it it was a singular focus that he had because he had done it that way. And and for a period of time, he saw success. But we all know or or a universal law that I've come very, you know, uh, uh, gotten a lot of understanding from is is the universal principle of diminishing return. You're going to hit that point of diminishing return where the the, the same old tried and true, or as they say in in the world of psychology or or just common speak, um, trying to do the same thing and getting a different result is the definition of
0: insanity.
1: Okay, so that's what I'm saying. So. I'm looking at this guy like, okay, pops, I hear you. That's good. I got it. I got it. I got it. Boom, boom. Let's just take this step here out and take that step out, and then we're good to go. And no, 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 you messing it up. And 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 I'm looking at the same product, the same production that he did. Like I'm I, my stuff. I'm and I'm matching my stuff to his stuff, and just he could not get it in his head to say good job, grandson, <laughs> because it, because it wasn't his way, and that caused a lot of friction with us. So, to answer your question about, you know, setting our kids up for success through the ethics of teaching them the value of hard work. You can teach them the value without all the stress and all the process.
0: I have a question. I'm just yes, curious. Sir. How yes, old sir. were you? Witness process was going on
1: man this was an ongoing struggle with me and that guy oh, okay. <laughs> this was not just a one-off like no 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 I, and not to say that he didn't value me as a person um he, he absolutely did what i think was again he just thought i was trying to get out of working and, it, and and part of it was yeah hell i want i'm a child i want to go play right but 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 here's the, here's the here's the definition of what i mean i understood that necessity was the mother of invention. It was the need for me to want to go outside and play. Right. That caused me to come up with a way to do this faster, faster, quicker, better so I can get on. Right.
0: That's good. there, brother.
1: Um, But also dealing with the situation of the legacy. Right. Because this is a two part question. That's something that set our kids up for success. I like you touched on a point about, you know, teaching them the game instead of giving them the game. Right. Because if you give them the game, they won't have no respect for the game and life is going to teach them a lot of hard lessons. Your I God. think that as um, as a culture, right? Because I, I don't like saying, you know, when they're talking about as a race of people, like, uh, again, we've talked on this show, there's only one race of people, that's the human race. But as a, as a culture, right, as, as, as black Americans, as a culture, um, what we what we miss is an opportunity to teach our children the value of their culture from a historical perspective, because, you know, I'm going to use a term that's definitely not a word that we want to use on this show. But it's it's, it's going to make it, it's going to make a lot of sense when I say I was watching the um, the um, Jack Johnson story.
0: Not familiar with it.
1: Okay, let, I have to look up the name of the story. It was on PBS. Uh, give me a second. Jack Johnson. Unforgivable Blackness, the Jack Johnson story. Okay. And you know who Jack Johnson is, right? He was like the first mega star as a boxer.
0: Honestly, I have I never heard of him, but I'm going Listen,
1: up. <clears throat> please, please, please. Not only was Jack Johnson, by all rights, the Superman of his day, um, he was Muhammad Ali before Muhammad Ali. He was Mike Tyson before Mike Tyson. But he, but this was back in the
0: day. Wait a minute, like is it, he, was he fairly light skinned boxer?
1: Yeah, hell no, Chuck was very dark skinned.
0: Okay, scratch that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> think about some else. You know, you, you talk, you think about Joe Lewis.
0: I think so. Yes.
1: No, I know, I know that's, yeah. who, I know that's what you're
0: thinking about. I know that's. So this is before or after Joe Lewis.
1: Oh no, this is well before, well before Joe Lewis. Uh, Jack Johnson. Born in 1878.
0: Oh, wow. died in 1946.
1: <laughs> OK, yeah, that's way. before. Yeah. Yeah. Jack Johnson. But um, anyway, he created this 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 tool to work on his vehicles because as a boxer, he had tons of money. Now, keep in mind that this is a point in America where racism, the institution is not what it is as we know it today. So uh, uh, it, 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 at, at that time, now keep in mind the dude was born in 1878. so we still in a very precarious situation as black men in this country.
0: dangerous times.
1: Dangerous times, but this dude rose to prominence during these quote unquote dangerous times. So I'm gonna make I'm gonna you know make it try to make it short and get to my point so you can jump in and talk on this. Here's my point. Jack Johnson has tons of money. He has tons of women. He has tons of vehicles. And I definitely got to tell this little story about him that you'll get when you watch the documentary. But anyway, he creates this uh, tool to work on his cars to 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 twist nuts and bolts and stuff. And it's known as a wrench. And he created this. Wow. He created the wrench so he could work on his cars. Never people that. came. Yes, People came in and dubbed it the monkey wrench get out as a racial epitaph to, to 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 smite the not only the, the the person that this dude was but this phenomenal invention that dude did that this dude just created that changed you know how you can operate on vehicles and machinery at the time
0: i had no idea then.
1: absolutely man very interesting and, and we we should you know get a little bit, I mean, we, we shouldn't wait to February, you know, to roll around and get, to get hip to all this stuff. But anyway, um, he's a very prominent figure that definitely, um, people should know more about like very unsung in, in, in who we are as a culture, um, here in America. But anyway, there's a story that I, I loved from the documentary where it talks about, again, now this is how wheeling and dealing this dude was in his day. Not only was he a badass, not only did he create the ranch, Jack Johnson had a love and a lust for white women.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, man. Yeah, man. So he, he, he there's a famous story that that goes like this where he was speeding through the town. And, you know, at that time, he's 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 a, a world renowned boxer. So he's crazy paid. So he speed through the town. The cop stops him and gives him a speeding ticket and i think i want to say the speeding ticket was a hundred dollars or fifty dollars or something like that
0: that was a lot back then
1: do you want to talk about it It was it was a ton of money so jack johnson did the cop a favor whatever the fine was let's just say it was 50 bucks the fine was 50 bucks for the speeding ticket and i couldn't imagine how fast he was going you know in the 1920s you know or whatever but um or at that point in time, it probably was the early 1900s, so 1910. Now, I can't remember the year that this happened. But anyway, so Jack Johnson does the cop a favor. He says, okay, well, whatever the fine is, I'm going to pay you double because I'm going to be speeding back here through the same <laughs> way. <laughs> That's
0: good stuff.
1: Man, listen to me. Listen to me. All right, there was a three-part series called... Um, the Unforgivable Blackness, Unforgivable Blackness, the story of Jack Johnson. It was actually aired on PBS a few years ago. So, man, I would definitely tell you, t- if you got time, please go check that out.
0: Yeah, we got to stop sleeping on PBS. PBS has, has some very enriching, powerful stories like that. Uh-uh. Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Just to just to piggyback off of what you just said, and I'm glad because, again, this this ties into what we're talking ab- about in terms of w- were we prepared for life? Um, and I watched, I just recently watched the story of Mr. Rogers, um, and, and, you know, Mr. Rogers neighborhood and, uh, Fred Rogers and this, um, won't you be my neighbor is the name of the documentary. And it was a phenomenal documentary, man. It was really good. I learned a lot about him, the person, the show, uh, the psychology of the show, the psychology of the man. And Mr. Rogers was such a, a huge part of our childhood and our upbringing yes, that he, he definitely, he definitely taught me a lot. About tolerance he taught me a lot about self love and self care and and, and self worth and in that same documentary at his death there were protesters saying that um, Mr. Rogers is pretty much the reason why we have such narcissistic uh, children in our society today and I could not further uh, I could not disagree with that I mean that's nothing can be further from the truth
0: I I didn't watch that documentary and Maybe you can touch on this. I I came across a clip on YouTube that, um, from what I can recall, it talked about how Mr. Rogers went to court for either the education system or something along that line where he was trying to keep it in a manner to keep it healthy for kids where uh, society was trying to change. I wish I had more details about it, but it was one of the things that nobody knew that Mr. Rogers as the person was advocating for education and for children in ways that if I don't recall if he won the court case But it was something that if If it did pass It would have been something that would have been so important For, for us as youth um, Do you recall anything like that in the documentary?
1: Absolutely What you're talking about is President Nixon at the time was gutting The funding for PBS uh, Public broadcast system He wanted to He was drilling it right Like he was cutting it Now He slashed it by almost 80 percent, something crazy like that. Um, So Mr. Rogers went to Congress to to fight for that money, fight for that funding, fight for, you know, uh, the right to have these shows because you had other shows on PBS as well. Not at the time. But, you know, we grew up with shows. Not only did we grow up with Mr. Robert Rogers neighborhood, but we grew up with Sesame Street. We grew up with Reading Rainbow and a host of other uh, even nature, right? Like nature was a huge show. That I watched in my life growing up as a kid And that was on PBS But uh, you wouldn't have any of that If Mr. Rogers did not go before Congress And and, and fight to get that money And I want to say he did win And he won to the tune of And and the number It it was in my head I want to say it might have been $20 million at the time And this was back in the late 60s Early 70s So $20 million is $20 million (laughs) I take it um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a ton of, and, and I could be wrong. It could have been I don't I don't wanna say two hundred million dollars, but I know it was a. it was a ton of money that this dude single handedly won and he did it to the tune of the guy who he was talking to in, in Congress. He basically said it like this Mr. Rogers was talking to him and the dude just said, I like that. Mm. You uh you you you'll get the money. And that's what Mr. Rogers ended up saying.
0: Stories like that, you know, for for me to hear Like you said he, he was such a big part Of our childhood And now as an adult Really Understanding how powerful His stance was um, Just a It's a reflection that You know Kind of off topic A little bit But Just about humanity And people um, oh, Absolutely Yeah despite how much You know Media wants to project A lot of hate And you know Segregation And you know We got a lot of You know Cultural this And race that And and division that's presented in the media, you know, there's some good people in all walks of life.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I say that honestly speaking, he probably was the last real nice guy that's on television.
0: Yeah, he reminds I put him in the same category as the science guy. Um Bill Nye? Yeah. Yeah, I put him in the same the same category. Uh individuals that really had a heart for for kids and the education and and helping them you know he he was they both in my opinion were taking television and still trying to make it be a a learning tool versus just some kind of entertainment or you know the term was you know the idiot box you just sit there and just watch you know mind numbing shows they were still feeding your mind you know as kids
1: well let's look at it this way it is a learning tool now it could be a positive learning tool or it could be a negative learning tool because it can also help you unlearn a lot of stuff that you need to learn or it can miseducate you which you know most people who watch Fox News are very <laughs> miseducated about the world <laughs> at large <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no <laughs> yeah but I, I, I learned a lot from from watching Mr. Rogers Neighborhood and actually there was a, a, a poignant part of the documentary where it talked about how he had um, a black officer on the he did that on purpose that he had a had a black guy playing officer Clemens on the show where there was this part of the show where Mr. Rogers was cooling his uh, feet off in the in the little foot tub that he had on the show and he had the officer come and put his feet in the same tub as Mr. Rogers which was definitely unheard of and this is back in the day where it was public policy that blacks and whites could not join him you know right. together in public pools and here it is on this show on public broadcasting systems, where there's a white guy and a black guy have their they have their feet in in the pool together, and it, it and it was biblical to the point where the black guy was drying off his feet, and Mr. Rogers was helping him dry his feet off as well. Which I didn't know this about him, but Mr. Rogers was also an ordained pastor.
0: Hmm. It makes I, I can see it now. I can see it now.
1: The yeah, way. Presbyterian Presbyterian pastor.
0: His heart, you know, he just had that that genuine heart and. Um, It also makes me reflect, too, of how I think at that time, even though um, television has always been used to shape thoughts and, you know, uh, project a certain image of life. I think at that time, during that era, it was still somewhat innocent in that realm. It wasn't we hadn't taken that turn. Um, I think the news was still balanced back then. It wasn't all negative, you know, and when we were little. Um, And it just it says a lot for those times that here we are at uh, our our age of 42 and looking at society and media and the way things are now. And we can at least we have a a tangible place to go back to to say, I remember when things were, were good, when things were decent.
1: Yeah, the fourth of state definitely is not holding up its end uh, of the public bargain. I would agree with you one thousand percent, but you said something that I definitely want to address. And, And when you say the media, you know, I have a different take on that. So when you say the media wants to, I don't really like that because here's and here's why I don't like that, because we as individuals, we as citizens, we as human beings have to take ownership in our lives. We have to take ownership in our existence. And the reason why I'm saying that is we could not watch those shows. We could not support those channels. We could not support those programs that that are counterintuitive and counterproductive to what we deem as successful. Now, the part that the human wants to interact with is we all want to be included. We don't want to be left out. So it's kind of sort of like when some foolishness is going on or, or when people say, oh, you know, I don't like drama. Bullshit. Everybody loves drama because drama is like they say, misery loves company. Drama is very inclusive. It's not segregated, you know. And what we can do is if we want to be better than the drama, we can have these counter attacks against drama we could have love fests we could do shows like this like where we are promoting the uplifting of and the empowerment of you know black men specifically but people in general like we we just paid homage to mr rogers who was a older white presbyterian preacher who could be no further from what you and i are as human beings but you know but that dude played such a huge part in our upbringing and our childhoods to the point where I'm sitting there watching the show and there were, there were parts of the, the, the broadcast where I'm like, oh, my gosh, like it touched me on a spiritual level because it took me back to, to your point of that moment of impression. It took me back to that moment of vulnerability as I was as a child.
0: I, I, I want the listeners to really pay attention to what you're hearing. You're hearing us disagree but in a mature manner, which is healthy, <laughs> and, and I really want to emphasize that because there's there's a lot of people out here who feel like if you don't agree with me, that um, it's like it's all out war, and it sure it doesn't have to be the case. And and if you if you've been following our podcast, you'll understand that most times when we disagree, it just births more points on both sides. Absolutely. And, and what I got out of um, your disagreement what came to me was I think in when we were young I don't think the awareness and the what's the word I'm looking for I don't think we as a people really understood the media and the role that it plays like we do now I honestly can say back then if it came on TV I believed all of it 100% you know Um, I just think through again and you would have had a reason
1: to believe it back then. You would have had a reason to, right? Because again, and I don't even know if you've ever heard people use the term the fourth estate, but that that's what the media is. The media is kind of sort of like that fourth guardrail, right? Because if you think about the, uh, you know, um, the branches of the government, right? You got mm-hmm. the judicial system, you got the executive branch, and then you got the legislative branch. The fourth branch or the fourth estate quote unquote is The media, right, because they're this independent entity or they were. This was before corporations started buying news stations. The Fourth Estate, specifically, I love it because this stuff is all coming together. So PBS was owned by the public. It was not owned by a corporation, so they didn't have an agenda. So most news channels when we were growing up, didn't have agendas other than to report the news because even if you go back to when we were kids versus what you see on tv now they always had a feel-good story yeah the, and, they, and they did that on purpose
0: yes they, they did. did
1: that on purpose so they give you the hardcore facts because let's think about it man there was some real shit going on back in the day it's not like news just started happening 10 years ago that's no
0: true. that's true not that- you
1: know you you, you was getting presidents shot back then yeah <laughs> kennedy was shot reagan was shot you know uh, you you make a point. Bobby, that- Bobby Kennedy was shot. Malcolm X was shot. Malcolm X, I mean Martin Luther King was shot. So it was a lot going on. You had the, the you had the Vietnam War. You had the you had tons of stuff going on. You had the Iran-Contra affair in in 80s, you had the Cold War that that was very prevalent in the 70s and the 80s. You had you had the oil embargo and the and energy crisis in the 70s and the 80s. So you had you had the shuttle explosion when we were you had tons of news that was going on, but the Fourth of the Fourth of States their job was to give the public the news,
0: not the blues, but the news. You you your astute knowledge on this is tying some stuff together that I've always wondered and thought about, but it's almost like I can pinpoint when the shift happened. Because as you were going down the you know the timeline of all those tragedies, things like that, you are Mm -hmm. I'm just sitting there thinking, he's right. It wasn't projected this way. It wasn't it wasn't, you know, Broadcasting in a manner now, uh, in my opinion, where if something good happens, it's a special report. You know, somewhere along the line, uh, the, the media companies who, you know, took over the, the TV stations made a decision that negativity, fear um, and all of those in, in that realm will keep viewers in a certain place, feelings, you know, anxiety, anxiety all that kind of stuff but that keeps people right in front of the television so it's 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 kind of like a a, a moral uh, swing took place in the media and until you started bringing up the you know the knowledge i i I'm going to be honest with you i had never heard of the fourth estate i had never um, never been made aware of that so thank you for the education on that
1: yeah absolutely and i mean again not to say that everything that they was putting in the news back then was Proper and on the up and up, because, as you know, and I know, like back then, we didn't see a lot of people that looked like us in the news. So that that that's again, that's that that's some kind of propaganda that was going on. And, and, you know, back in the day, you know, if it wasn't right, if it wasn't white, it wasn't right. Right. (laughs) And, And that's not and that's not right. You know, we know that now. We we know that there was a lot of shady shady business going on back in the day, um, but I, I think the major shift happened in the nineties. Um, leading up into the two thousands, this is when the the fourth estate started being bought out, bought and sold by mega corporations. Fox, Fox News being one of the first ones, and I know uh, many others kind of followed suit after that. But um, yeah, it, it's it's. Most news stations and news channels and and news outlets back in the day operated at a profit loss like they they were losing money because they weren't in it to gain money. Again, they were pretty much protected um, as being a part of the American zeitgeist that was not tied to the capitalistic motives of, of, of our society. But now everything. Is um, and then I know some people will start talking about you know it, people who and I'm pretty sure these people aren't listening to uh, our show, but yeah, they are. People start getting you know they start getting real tepid and getting real nervous around that dangerous word socialism, hmm. and it's like which is so crazy. This is again why we as a country really suffer and struggle from lack of knowledge because the word socialistic. Uh, the word socialism in and of itself is not a bad word. It's, it, it's no better or worse than capitalism, right? Um, if you don't have socialism, you don't have public schools. If you don't have socialism, you don't have public roads. You don't. Well, we don't really have a public healthcare system, which is a travesty because we're the only developed country that doesn't really have a coherent and cohesive, you know, um, health care system, which is terrible. Um and, and and what's just crazy to me because these things go against what we'd like to tout in this country as Christian principles.
0: And so, running for senator in the state of Georgia as Mr. Not at all.
1: <laughs> not at all. No, I'm telling you no, there would be some major changes. Like but, but, I, you know, it wouldn't that, go the way people think it would go if but that's, I ran for that's,
0: office. That's <laughs> what we need though. I mean, I know there's so much that comes along with that, but these are the things that that we need to know and my contribution to what you just said is you're speaking about a to me a a percentage of people who are just not thinking for themselves they don't want to take the energy to do what you've done research read and understand they mm-hmm. are they are solely bought into whatever's coming across the television so if the newscast, you know, person projects this type of thought process, you know, about socialism, that's just what they believe is like, you know, how they would say, you know, the sheep, you know, blind sheep being led, you know, away. It's, it's that type of thought process to for those of us who are critical thinkers, those of us who realize that, OK, let me not just go by what I'm told. Let me read or research for myself. And mm-hmm. that's. Who you're speaking to But What can we say For those who don't Want to take the time And the effort To educate themselves That's they lost
1: And you raised A great point um, Earlier About Our ability To disagree As friends And still be friends Because Our Our relationship And our bond Is truly based In A bond And that's and based In love That has grown Over the years That we've known Each other And it raised Another point That I came across um, uh, came across this this article. I don't know if you heard about, and I know we want to talk about some kind of recent events or whatever. Um, have you caught up with the news in terms of what's going on between DL Hughley and Terry Crews?
0: It's funny you mentioned that. So let me let me start out by saying I personally try not to watch the news as much as possible. Um, it's just one of the things that I do to keep my energy. Uh, is, is open and clear as possible. But ironically, uh, as I'm, you know, kind of on YouTube a lot, I came across an interview where uh, Mr. Cruz was on... Um, what's the name of the show? 103 with um, Angela Yee and uh, Charlemagne the God. Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. And he was... I just caught the tail end of him... Explaining his position Not so much with DL Hughley But about uh, Russell Simmons Which somehow all that's tied together So um, please Pull all that together for me
1: Well Yeah so That part of of what he was Talking about is basically saying He was saying to Russell like yo We not homies so don't come at me On no just drop it In terms of the Allegations that you know he was putting up against his then manager at the time i can't remember what the actual role of the guy was but terry cruz was just basically saying like to russell simmons like you since you the errand boy tell them back off because i'm not dropping anything matter of fact because you're reaching out i'm gonna go full tilt and 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 i think this this Case like literally went to court and 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 ruled in in Terry Crews' favor because he was claiming um, sexual assault.
0: Now, how does this? How does DL Hughley tie into this?
1: Okay, so DL great great question. (laughs) So DL Hughley ties into this because he was on Vlad TV talking to Vlad about. And we all know who Terry Crews is, right? We've seen him on the shows, in the movies, and we've seen him on the commercials, um, the Old o- Spice commercials, and he's, he's a pretty big guy. So basically, D.L. D. Hughley was saying like, dude, you got all those muscles. And, 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 and I like the way D.L. Hughley phrased it because he didn't want to make it out like Terry Crews was not the victim of sexual assault because clearly he was se- sexually assaulted by this guy. Um, but what happened was, dl Hughley was basically saying um but it still wouldn't have gone that way in terms of i would have not just sat there and let the dude touch me up and then not only did he touch him up but he was touching him up in front of his wife he was like you that size like that dude had to feel very comfortable to just come on come over and touch you up like that and you know basically the uh deal was saying you know that's why cats go get big so you can keep people off of you And he just found it strange that, you know, Terry Crews didn't get the guy off of him.
0: I find that strange, too.
1: And and Terry Crews is not in his defense, but here's what he was saying. He was saying he didn't want to put hands on the dude because obviously the dude was white. He didn't want to put hands on the dude because he didn't want to be seen as the angry black man. And he didn't want to be blackballed in Hollywood. And I'm thinking in my head, like for you to even be rational, to think that far down the line. You touch him. You you touch him. And when I say touch him up, he touches his genitalia, man. He's touching he, like he grabbing his meat in, in front of his, his his old lady. Like if that ain't, if that ain't grounds to beat your ass, I don't know what is.
0: Wait, man. Wait, wait. Oh, wait, sorry, wait, sorry. Wait a minute. Wait. Hold it. <clears throat> as 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 I go back to how I started, as the old fellows would say under the tree. <laughs> wait a minute. Now, now, now that I've been, you know fully educated with this um i have to agree with dl that there is no way that i can perceive that i'm gonna allow that kind of because see that's touching you to me that's bad but doing it in front of your wife that's psychological to me
1: it is it's warfare
0: yeah so he so you you're saying that you wanted this role or you wanted to be in television that bad that instead of doing what you know was the right thing to do first of all by stopping him and violating you but to do it in front of your wife i i I don't even understand how they stay married after that i don't understand how she even looked at him the same because um i've had some success in my life and i have money and a in a in a perspective i just don't see anything as much as i love music as much as i love you know a, a lot of things in life i cannot on this day uh, january 29 2019 say that there's anything that's going to make me compromise my integrity for some money i don't care what or opportunity well to be fair he didn't say that <laughs>
1: he he didn't say that but uh, when he went down the list of I didn't want to be this and I didn't want to be that hell I would have been all of that in a bag of chips listen to me that dude would have thought he was on a street fighter screen because it would have been a 29 hit combo
0: (laughs) KO perfect but okay okay let's let's okay I'm gonna try to critically think and be objective do you not think the underlying reasons why he didn't tell that man a new one was because he was still thinking about his career
1: no, I know that's what he was thinking about, but but to your earlier point, there is nothing, and here's what here's why I'm saying I don't think we were set up for success because I could not see anybody allow that going down that way.
0: We, I can't see it. I can't see it. We're saying the same thing because I'm I'm sitting here just scanning in my mind. I don't know. I can't you know think of one male. That that I know that I that would go for something like that, not that.
1: And, and not not to say again, not to, not to be that way because it has happened to people. Like yes, there are men have been the victims of sexual assault and abuse and unfortunately rape, um, as women have, right? So these things happen in this culture and, and in these environments. But what we're saying is, I know at the size that I am, and I'm nowhere near where terry cruz is but for anybody now i'm I'm gonna say it like that not even just for a guy to come up and grab me up but for a woman to come and grab me up i'm a some some yeah it ain't going it ain't gonna go the way they think it's gonna go i'm gonna just say it like that now what i do and my reaction hell i don't know what i'm gonna do (laughs) but i'm gonna react
0: (laughs) with with respect to anybody that's been assaulted let me let me make sure that i'm not uh speaking in a way that's that that is, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not doing that. I got my own story about assault and things like that, so um, of course I'm definitely not here to point the finger. I, I think what is what I'm trying to articulate, and I probably didn't do a good job of before, is just the aspect of the wife. The to me, the psychological, pers- you know, aspect of that, and the type of power that whoever this individual was, he knew. He knew long you know it's, he, he knew he had terry cruz in a place mentally that he had to yeah he he had to to know that he could even attempt that because you we all know individuals and we've seen situations where we've seen two people get into an altercation or you know a verbal heated situation and the first thing we say is they know who to talk to they they know who to go after to of say course. certain things too. So of course. in this case, you know, from from you know the little bit I'm, that I'm learning on this podcast about his situation, I know he's been a big advocate for sexual assault, and he by right he should. But if if we were taking a poll, I'd have to I'd have to agree with DL. Just there had to be a line drawn somewhere, and you, I personally can't see um, achievement career money or nothing like that like that's my choice I'm going to be degraded humiliated in front of my wife for the sake of a career no no
1: yeah like for, for that for the guy to do it I feel the same way psychologically speaking he had to be you know um he had to be on another plane for him to even get to that point about it um but here's the quote that I wanted to, 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 to follow up with, with what Dave Chappelle about, you know, disagreements. Um, our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe say or do both are nonsense you don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate i one thousand percent agree with that and i think that's where we are in society unfortunately is we are missing compassion for people we're missing empathy for people so i was definitely empathetic to terry cruz in this particular situation because it does put him in a it it puts him in in a a precarious situation you know as my cousin would say a predicament
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it also demonstrates to me how we need to really pay attention how powerful mental uh what's the word i'm looking for your 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 mental perspective about a situation is as big mm-hmm. as terry cruz is he had to feel real small and helpless in that situation and sure. guarding your mental state of mind and I just I'm sitting here, you know, I'm, I'm psychoanalyzing him from from afar and I don't have all the details, but there is so much more going on in that situation, in my opinion, for him to be at that level. There's got to be some some self-reflection stuff he's dealing with. I mean, not just his career, because he's speaking to him, you know, as a person, you know, violating, you know, that his mental aspect that's dealing with him and his image of himself. Mm-hmm. To even go there, so I, uh, you know, you know, when things like this happen, you know, I'm I'm taking a step back to be more objective, to the to, to back up a little bit. You know, first thing I want to say was, how could that happen? How could that? Well, when you don't understand how the mind works, and when you don't understand how powerful uh, imagery and perception of yourself, and then on the other side of that, a person who is crafty with words and manipulation, and who knows how to to push certain buttons when it comes to seeking out an individual and they they find somebody who they feel is vulnerable in that way it is a very powerful and controlling thing so i guess i'm coming full circle but at the at the end of the day if you're not in tune with your star player and know who you are anyone can find themselves in that type of situation
1: yeah absolutely and Again, further to 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 your point about you know not trying to psychoanalyze everyone involved, I totally agree with DL Hughley. I am sympathetic and empathetic to Terry Crews, but there had to be some kind of signal or something where this dude just felt it was a because I mean think about where you got to be mentally to walk up to somebody like a Terry Crews size and just like yeah I'm just grab this dude up and, 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 and think you're gonna be able to get away with it.
0: I can say this I have Experienced up, You know Where I live now I have seen Some individuals Do some things For the potential Of That big break Of fame That I can Totally understand Why he didn't Say anything Let alone Why he did it For some And Again This is my I'm no, no No doctor Nothing like that It's just Jason Tyler, the person giving you his his bootleg theory. Some people have put that kind of success as the ultimate goal in their life, and they're willing to do literally anything for it. Mm -hmm. You see that in men and you see that in women. They'll sacrifice their bodies, family members, whatever it takes, because they want that what they have deemed as that ultimate prize is to make it, you know, on that level and without some balance you 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 will you will expand every opportunity to do whatever for the sake of being famous if you will or being on a tv show and um here on the men's show where you know where one of the major component is empowering we really want our listeners to be left with that you can be anything you want to be and you don't have to sell yourself short Set your goals realistically and be true to yourself. Don't let anything be over you to the point that you have no self-awareness, no, no self-worth, and that you, know, you will do whatever it takes to achieve this goal that you've given yourself. Never forget who you are. And, and as a person, never forget that you are somebody. You matter and that everything that you want, you don't need.
1: That is coming live from Mr. Jason Tyler's neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I totally agree with all that, man. That's that that that's definitely good stuff. And like, you know, Dave Chappelle said, you don't have to compromise to be compassionate. I totally agree with that. Let me ask you this. Go ahead. Because this is another question that came up. With all this going on, in in the in the world at large, but in the black community specifically, do you think we need another black
0: leader? Great question Senator Williams Great question (laughs) So My answer Is Okay What are we calling a leader Um, I saw a question posed very Similar to what you asked was was, Do we need another black president Mm -hmm. Or do we need a leader I say We need another Senator Chris Williams We need another Jason Tyler, the person. We need another whoever, regular, you know, individual that has, that walks in a manner that exemplifies how, I want to just say, you know, a man of color or a black man should be, but just how we should be. Um, Being that we're alpha males and that we're leaders in our own right, I find it difficult to give just a simplistic answer because i think we all should be the leader that we we seek you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it should start with us um as individuals and people now granted understanding that there are individuals on you know in in our society who they just need someone they need direction everybody doesn't have that ability to um just be a go-getter that you know everybody's not wired that way but for those that uh do need a leader i think it's going to be challenging for us because defining what a leader is what could be a leader to some may not be a leader to others like like for me example i consider krs1 a leader in the community but you know how many other people would see krs1 as that type of leader? some people see barack obama you know as a leader um so to say do we need another one uh i guess we could always use uh, a leader but my caveat to that would be i would like uh, the leader to be someone who is touchable who relates um as much as Barack obama was an influence but as as someone as elite president governor all of that you know type of stuff to me he's untouchable by common people Mm -hmm. i would like to see a leader emerge who is on the ground um, as much as, you know, Colin Kaepernick is being judged for, you know, taking his stance, he is still very much involved with ground roots efforts and he's very much, you know, uh, with the people. So to say we need a leader, I would say we could use one, but one that's that that the people can relate to.
1: Good stuff. Yeah. No, I I totally it's funny the way you answered it, um, because I definitely would agree with the way you answered that and your points, because I don't believe we need another leader per se. And I don't even think we need to define what a leader is, because I think we know one when we see one. Right. A leader to me is a person who does, to your point, the grassroots efforts and they lead by example. They don't they don't just leave because they look good. They talk good and all this other stuff. Right. Like this is a person who is actually impacting and affecting change in a positive way in their given environment. Correct. You use Colin Kaepernick as an example. Right. Um, when we go back to some of the names that we call early in the top of the podcast, you know, MLK, Malcolm X, you know, Mega Evers, guys like this um even some of the great women right shirley chisholm you know nikki giovanni maya angelo you know they're, they're we have example of example of example of leaders right who necessarily didn't have positions of leadership
0: to, to your to your point um from what dave Chappelle was saying too um i think part of the problem we have is right now in our society people are looking for what they're calling a leader but it goes back to your other points kind of like the quote that dave said they're looking for somebody who agrees with them true that's yes that's that's what that's who they want to call their leader they they're looking for somebody who wants to champion their efforts or agree with their their points but anyone who's ever encountered a true leader someone that you can respect is someone who is objective someone who is not going to always agree with you but speak to you in a manner if you disagree it's done in a way that it's not chastisement it's just a leader has to lead and do what's best um going back to the star trek you know, quote i've used it before the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few but unfortunately we the few are the ones who want to choose the leaders
1: absolutely And I think when we start looking at what we deem as leadership qualities, you you mentioned yourself, you mentioned my name. Um, I definitely know that we do need more individual leaders. We need more accountability, we need more Responsibility. Not, we don't need more responsibilities. I think we have enough. I think we need more people who, who are ready to step up to the plate and own those responsibilities, i.e. accountability. We need more people who are selfless instead of selfish. Right. I think there's a, to that point about you raised the point about fame over for, fame and stuff like that and fortune at what cost. And I think what a leader does is they see the change that needs to happen in the world, and they become that change. Um, I know with you and I coming from our backgrounds and, and and where we where we were born and raised, like we want to impact change, we had to become that change before we could make change. You know, um, I one song I listened to that it, it, it's funny because at the time I just thought it was a pretty cool song, but I start really reading the lyrics of Michael Jackson's "Man in the Mirror." And when he says no message could have been any clearer, if you clear, clearer, if you want to make the world a better, a better place. place, you take a look at yourself and make that change. Like I it just when you're a kid and you hear this, it's like, oh, that's I like the song. You know, I, I love the melody. It's like, but now as an adult, I love the melody.
0: But there was a message in there.
1: But but the message, man, like I'm I'm riding with what that dude was spitting in that song.
0: Yeah, Mike. Mike was an undercover one for doing just that. Uh, the other one that resonated with me when he, when I was older, was they the, the one with the hook. They don't really care about us. Oh yeah. You know he was he was speaking then. Um, it's it, it's it's a reflection of all all, all of this to kind of bring it full circle. Being prepared in life to basically our path evolving us into leaders it all comes back to me in in my opinion of Chris the podfather and Jason Tyler the person made a decision to walk the walk simple facts and when we want to define a leader and things like that it's just somebody who's willing to walk walk out their integrity regardless of it being unpopular they're willing to do what is necessary and deal with everything that comes along with it and it is it is a burden sometimes i mean it's a weight it's not easy doing the right thing because it's the right thing but everybody doesn't have that mantle on them either they can only be they can only be one senator chris williams
1: man listen to me there are plenty of days I want to juke
0: <laughs> right there
1: are plenty of days I want to stunt I want to cut up I want to fall out yes I mean but I know at the end of the day I got to come home and look at that mirror It doesn't. and like- I got to be and I got to be okay with what I see
0: you know and to take it a step further from me not only do I concern myself with looking in the mirror I concern myself with looking at my children what would they think how my actions are going to impact their lives and so um, I carry that extra weight too like like you said the times that I want to you know just let my head down and just be ignorant be honest with you mm-hmm. um, I have to think about where I'm going in life uh, the goals that I have set for myself and just that There's a legacy that I'm leaving um, I'm being watched Even my 8 month old son He watches me He, He's just not starting to scoot And crawl across the floor But he follows me When I walk by And I take all that seriously That I'm not sitting here saying I'm going to be perfect And I'm, and I'm not going to Even uh, Attempt to say I'll never make mistakes But I I will I will always strive To be my best And when I slip and fail at being my best. I'm going to dust myself off and get up and strive to be my best again. That's all we can do.
1: Gotcha. All right, my man. So let's talk a little bit about the future, you know, because we're we, we, we talking about what we're doing, what we were taught, and then we talked about what we're doing now. Give me a couple of little quick points on, on how you are setting your kids up for success.
0: Well, um, it's it's ironic that we're talking about your grandfather, our past, and the work ethic, and how you guys clashed, and you know that era. And I think because when my my oldest daughter, she's eighteen, she'll be nineteen in March. Um, she is really seeing this more so than my little ones right now. But mm-hmm. I am busy working on, you know, the efforts of promoting this band. Um, talking to promoters, you know, booking venues, talking to corporate partners and things of that nature. And my oldest will come down and say, like, Daddy, what you doing? And I say, I'm, I'm working. And she'll look in, you know, she'll come in the studio and she'll look around, she'll sit with me for a little while and then she'll go out, you know, four or five hours will go by, she'll come back down. She says, Daddy, you still working? I say, I'm still working. And I know there's a part of me is like, I know she wants my attention. But mm-hmm. what I'm trying to display to her is you're you're seeing somebody who has a goal and they're 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 doing their part to achieve it. That's right. Hard work doesn't necessarily mean physical work anymore. It's about like you said, being efficient and when you have deadlines and goals to meet that you're achieving them without anybody telling you to. You know, when when it's your passion when it's your drive you have that hunger to get it done because you're desired to be successful and that's what i know she is seeing me do as much as uh at times she may feel like man you're always down there uh just as an example she had some friends come by. you know i'm down here working doing my thing she thought enough to bring her friends down to show them what i was doing and she had a sense of pride about it she's like here's my dad and You know, her friends are like, oh, wow. You know, they're looking at the monitors and the screens and the the editing and the things that I'm doing. So to me, my message is I can see it working because it's something that she's even proud of to show her friends. That's right. So the example of being effective and being diligent, working towards your craft, I think is what I'm setting my kids up for. Yeah. and, And once you set a
1: goal and you have a dream, Here's the work that you have to put into to do those things. Cause, you know, I actually put up a post the other day about, you know, we people want success, but they don't want to do the work that comes with that. It's like that yeah, you exactly. don't want the success then if you don't, if you don't want to put in the work. That's what life is about.
0: It's, it's, it's a beautiful relationship, in my opinion. Once you start to see the fruits of your labor, when, you know, when you're starting out, You know it's it's hard because you're taking that that step of faith and and you really don't have any tangible uh reasons or or anything to, to take that next faithful step but you but your drive to know i want to be successful and so in those times where you're pushing through the uncertainty and the darkness and then when you start to see the light when you start to see things start to happen it makes me let me speak for me it makes me appreciate where i started it makes me appreciate the days of just contemplating man how am i going to make this happen i got this dream and i got this vision but i have i have no idea where's the money going to come from where are the people going to come from but i just got this drive and so to come from that to where i am now you know i appreciate where i started and. And I think it's important to show our children that, you know, it's, it's, you have to, like you said, put the effort in, uh, to want success and not work for it. Um, you're setting yourself up for failure in my opinion.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely what I posted about. I said in life, everyone wants to succeed, but no one wants to fail. And if you're afraid to fail, then you won't try. And if you don't try, you can't do, you see how that works, right? Right. It doesn't work. The funny thing about this scenario is if you don't try you can't fail and if you can't fail you won't learn the best lessons in life are often the hardest to learn and if you don't learn from those hard lessons you're going to repeat them and that came at a point where i was not feeling my best i was quote unquote feeling like a failure and this was the note to self that i wrote Uh, the benefit of failure the benefit of failure is learning make no mistake about it in life you're going to fail my advice to you is fail fast, fail often, and fail freely, but most importantly, fail forward. My biggest growth in life came from when I decided to remove fear from failure and began to understand that failure is necessary and directly tied to another important word, faith. I grew my faith through my failures by learning to get up and pick myself up after each time I failed. And I think what you can talk about your daughter is she's proud because she's been with you through some of those failures and she, she saw the dedication she saw the commitment she saw the persistence and the consistency and now she gets to enjoy and i know personally from my standpoint of of, of, of watching your band videos and, and hearing you play i mean it, it even made me do the video for you today i was like you know what let me let me throw, chop up something a little something something together for the homie real quick i
0: appreciated that too man and um the outpouring of of uh, support I've received and the band has received since I put those videos out has um, been borderline overwhelming. And to, to your point about, about my daughter, the, the funny thing is even when I failed, I never appeared like I failed. I just kept going. That's right. So she's never seen me just stop, complain. You know, I've always just kept going. But I would like to take a minute to, to speak to our listeners about um, the confident person that you hear right now, I was not always that person. I had my battles with fear um and it gripped me terribly in my early 20s, teenage years. Um, and it kept me from becoming who I am today. Um, but my journey and my desire to just want to have something out of life, you know, achieve these goals eventually brought me to the point, of where the Paul Father just talked about, you know, in his post, is that I just made a decision. Um it, i was in my forties, but I made a decision I wasn't going to allow fear to stop me anymore. Um I used to be paralyzed by the opinions of others. Um paralyzed to the point of just paralysis. Didn't want to move because I was so afraid of making a mistake or so afraid of, you know, what would the criticism be and things of that nature and i had all this i had so much potential and ideas that i just i just i just suppressed them because the fear was it was it was too much for me to deal with i cared more about others opinions and things of that nature and it just kept me in a place of just never being willing to start because i was afraid to fail but you know there's something about as we get older and and we grow in wisdom um the day that i said i would not allow fear to stop me anymore Was the day that everything started To explode for me And the fact that uh, The power father and I are on this podcast Today is a direct result Of both of us Telling fear um, You you no longer have any power over us
1: Absolutely agreed man Well, We're coming in on time Is there anything that you want to cover before We close out this session of the men's show
0: Um as you know One I would like to just say this To our listeners We appreciate you um, The love and the support That we're getting on the podcast Is um, Very much appreciated Appreciative uh, From us And We would like to hear more from you You know If you're listening to You know Or a topic comes up That you you have a um, That you want to chime in And give your perspective on uh, We're all over social media You know The Men's Show On Instagram Facebook your your opinions we want to hear them we want to hear what you got to say um we're speaking to you but you know a conversation is a two-way thing so we would love to to get your feedback and hear your perspectives on some of the points that we're making and um just to leave on a positive note you know you are what you believe you are facts you know simpl- simplest said is that if you haven't heard anything else in this podcast today we've we've started out from Talking about preparation all the way through to leadership, um, but at, at at the end of the day, looking in the mirror, you got to be okay with yourself and realize, however God made you, He made you perfect. Whether you're tall, short, fat, skinny, brown, yellow, green, big nose, you know whatever your package is, you were made perfect and you were made to succeed. So believe in yourself um, and don't be afraid to dream. Dream big Dream so big it scare you And write them down And then go after it And watch the universe Make it happen for you
1: You know what's crazy When you said, Don't be afraid to dream You can't help that You're going to dream God speaks to you Through dreams You're going to dream This you know And uh, I heard somebody Say one day well, Of course you have More than one dream Because you go to sleep Every night <laughs> <laughs> So I think To your point About earlier Or what you said About the uh, Approaching Um not doing things out of fear because of whatever that whatever is driving that fear you know fear of failure fear of judgment fear of ridicule criticism um or just downright not believing in yourself one thing I, and this is crazy that you brought that up because i actually did a podcast on in my mind everybody knows chris about when when you don't feed those dreams the decisions to go to march towards those dreams you don't have to worry about chasing your dreams. Your dreams going to start chasing you because they're going to turn into nightmares, right? Because what happens when we, when we don't do the things in life that, that God is feeding us to do? they do become burdensome because the dreams don't change the time change your body changes you change people change everything changes but those dreams those dreams are going to turn into nightmares because they're going to haunt you because these are the desires these are the true desires of your heart of who you know you can be and ultimately who you know you should be so definitely like my man jason tyler said you know get out here um, you got to get up Get out and get something Like live your life For today Live your life for today You got to live your work. best life Man listen to me and, 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 and that other stuff Comes out in the wash Like I, to your point I don't work I don't make it about Prepping for the destination I make it about the journey I make it about that journey and, and, and enjoy everything that comes with it. I, I know I came into this year and the one word that was on the top of my mind when I came into 2019 was flow. I just wanna flow with things, man.
0: That's that's the only way to be. Um, I, I just wanna make this, this point, I know we, we're getting long in time, but do you know how blessed and fortunate you are that you are willing to embrace your dreams? Many people, like you did say we all dream but there are just some that feel their dreams are just too big like it'll never happen for them and so they don't have that mental fortitude to just go forward and, and go after it so i want to encourage you know everybody out there if you dream about it if you daydream about it if you are you know any kind of thought that comes to your mind i don't care how grand it is that is a vision that the creator is giving you and if Mm -hmm. the creator gave it to you it can come to pass i am a living example uh there is no such thing as a dream that's too big the only thing is in my opinion is are you willing to take that initial step of faith to go forward and achieve your dreams i believe in you and i know you can do it
1: and what we consider failures are just opportunities to become better
0: growth moments
1: absolutely all right my man well as always this is fun this is episode number seven man and i'm so glad we did it bro
0: same here man it was it it it's always a beautiful uh journey doing these podcasts with you
1: all right and to the listeners as jason tyler said thank you for tuning in to the men's show the show that is motivating empowering and nurturing and we are so glad you joined us holla
0: peace